Welcome to the Pattern Racing Group Lock to Lock podcast. I'm Jack Smith, Media Manager at Pattern Racing Group, and today I'm joined by Hayden Pattern. Sitting with me in our Cromwell-based offices, Hayden joins me after returning from Rally Latvia. He's had a very successful season so far, with a podium at every event he's attended. Despite living out of a suitcase, Hayden's been back and forth from New Zealand and finally got some time to sit with me and discuss the season so far. So we're joined today... Oh, are you just going to ruin everything? Or? No, I was going to give you shit for not going. <laughs> so we're joined today by Hayden, obviously owner-operator of Pattern Racing Group, and my boss, which makes this a bit more weird, I guess. Like, yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable and he's going to laugh at me a lot. But... Um, yeah, this is your podcast. <laughs> to start off, You're I thought... <laughs> to start off, I thought I'd ask you about Europe and the New Zealand campaign and... and why you chose to do two campaigns on either side of the world, basically? Uh, well, why not? We wanted to do more rallying, and it meant that you could use my office here to do your podcast while I'm away more often. So, uh, no, obviously, we were, the initial plan was that we were going to do WIC2 last year. That's what we're always banking up towards doing. Um, but what we learned last year with the car and the running costs and just a lot more complications than what we thought... Also, just the fact that the Rally 1 cars were destroying the roads so much more than what we'd seen in the past, and you're basically run, rallying in a lottery in terms of not breaking the car, and that didn't really float my boat in the same way, especially when you've got to pay the bills to fix the car. So between all of that and then the combinations of a few opportunities that come up between Hyundai Motorsport and, and ultimately with the Italian BRC team that we're now running with, it, it gave us a good opportunity to go with the European Championship we obviously did one round we were both over there last year in Latvia and obviously we were there just as a, a practice event or warm up with the new car at the time but um, I, I think it gave us a bit of a vibe about what ERC was about and I like um, trying to chase things that haven't been done before and uh, as much as we love the WRC you know I think our ship sailed on that in terms of what we can do there there's just so limited opportunities for a number of years now and um, I'm a realistic person I'm not going to sit here and dream about something that's impossible uh, well not necessarily impossible but difficult um, but at least with the European Championship the whole fact that a, a non-European's never won it in its 70 year history that's a real that's a, a real pulling thing for me in the fact that I want to do something that hasn't been done and, and it's something that's achievable so between that and then Obviously, we originally brought this car to Rally New Zealand last year on a on a temporary import, and the idea was it was going to go back for WRC2 when this whole European Championship program came up, and it was actually a, logistically and financially better for us to do it with the BRC team. Then all of a sudden, we're like, okay, well, before we send this car back, we might as well actually utilise the car here and do a New Zealand campaign with it as well, because the AP4s obviously was starting to get a bit outdated, so... Between all that, there was a lot of changes of plans between November, December last year, and then now we've been able to put together a pretty extensive program this year with a lot of rallies, and um, if anything, it probably feels a little bit like old times in the fact that we're driving a lot, we're driving on both sides of the world, we're competitive. Um, yeah, it's, we haven't really had that feeling probably since 2018. And obviously you opened the season in Portugal, which is a unique way to open a season whereby usually you'd start with a target or something like that. What were your expectations heading into Portugal in terms of the European Championship? Uh, the the plan was to just get the ball rolling and get some points on the board. So it was a new team. We didn't really get much of a, much of a test session. We hadn't really had much experience on that particular rally. Um, we'd rallied in that region in the WRC in the past, but not those stages. Um, 
yeah, we just wanted to get some some um, points on the board, really. So, yeah, to come away with the win was much more than what we expected, and I guess that sets the, high, the aims a lot higher for the rest of the season. But, uh, yeah, that seems like a long time ago already um, since Portugal, so a lot's happened since then. My takeaway from the person on the couch is that that opening round set a standard for tie choice was dictating results dramatically. Was that something you experienced over there? Like, did Was that quite a big factor in results? Oh, not necessarily so much for us. The, the thing, I, the other thing I love about ERC is that the fact that ties do make a difference and the fact that you've got effectively three manufacturers between Pirelli, Michelin and Hankook and in each of those tyre brands have got their own compounds and they're all slightly different. And what we find in this year is that some tyres have got advantages in some conditions and other tyres have got advantages in different conditions and it brings a whole new variable and tactics into it. And unlike WRC, which is this one fixed control tyre, which is obviously a good way to try and keep competition even I actually really like the tie battles and the tie wars because it just brings another whole dimension into it all and it takes a little bit of the predictability out of rally results um, it just brings another factor in and um, you got all the tie brands fighting against each other so they're very competitive as well so um, I think it's good commercially so I like the idea of having tie brands fight against each other you go back to the heydays of WRC in the 90s and early 2000s there was Michelin there was Pirelli and they were fighting against each other um, so it's healthy, healthy competition. And like you discussed, you, you would eventually take the win at that event, but come Sunday morning it wasn't a given, like you had to push pretty hard to take Mads and Miko for the win. Did that change your approach today? Was that like a mindset that you could take the win here so you might as well have a go? No, we didn't go into the Sunday at all with the mindset of winning. We were, I think we were third, so we're actually already quite happy with third. Um, we lost a lot with the bad qualifying so that gave us a bad road position with the wet first day so we're a little bit on the back foot um, but then yeah the Sunday obviously went pretty well um, Miko had a couple of problems that allowed us to reel that lead in and then it come down to a last stage battle so yeah we gave it everything on that last stage so when you come out with the win having to push that's always the best way uh, of course it would have been nice to actually seen what time Miko could have done without his puncher um, I think it would have gone right down to the wire but yeah, it was a it was a cool day. Um, you love battles. That's what we all we all thrive on battles and close battles and having to push yourself. And when you're in those situations, you don't think about what goes wrong. Uh, whereas compared to when you have a big lead in the rally, all you start to think about is what can go wrong because it's your rally to lose. So I prefer it when you're fighting down to the last stage and the last corner because it actually mentally is easier uh, to drive that way. And I know leading up to that event, you'd you'd quite often discussed with both myself and the rest of the boys here, that there was so many competitors there that could have won the rally. Miko being at the top, was that like a, a not a surprise, but it's pretty impressive. Oh, no, we expected it because we saw last year that Miko was fast. He was beating us in Latvia last year. He beat us uh, until he had an off-road at Rally Finland last year. So we already knew he's, he's finished national champion. Anyone that's national champion in Finland is always going to be fast. Uh, but yeah, when you saw the entry list of, I think there was up to 40 fast WRC or Rally 2 drivers um, quite phenomenal really um, yeah I've never driven in such competitive fields and okay it's, it's tapered off a little bit the more we go into the championship but still you're still 20-25 fast drivers um, and like if you have a bad stage you can be outside the top 20 in a stage like that's unheard of in WRC WRC 2 or even New Zealand championship you know um, so yeah you, it puts the pressure on and the qualifying is another aspect of European Championship which is very different 
Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a massive fan of qualification, but the problem is when you do it in the third run, everyone knows the road. The young guys go like a, a bat out of hell, and then all of a sudden, rather than being in the top three for your road position pick, you end up eighth, ninth, tenth, and then it puts you on the back foot for the rally. So it's, a, it's another facet of it all that we have to adapt to. So in between that opening round of the European campaign and the opening round of the New Zealand campaign, you obviously took the opportunity to take the Kona EV to Australia and do the Adelaide Motorsport Festival. What was that experience like and how do you think Australia received that car being that it's so outside their norm? Yeah, yeah obviously I was a little bit nervous taking it over there. I guess it's um, uh, they're probably a little bit less adapting to electrification compared to New Zealand when you look at just general society, I guess, um, is the feeling you get. Uh, so... Yeah, obviously it was a motorsport festival that was celebrating a whole lot of classics, so Formula 1s, V8s, everything that makes a lot of noise, and then we turn up with a car that doesn't make a lot of noise. So, um, But to be honest, I think the the feedback was hugely um, um, positive, even to the point where people were coming up asking us what engine was in the car. Obviously we've got a mechanical noise maker on the car, which gives it an element of sound, and people legitimately thought it was a combustion car. So... Um, it made some people question what they saw and everything and, and people helped convert some people. Everyone enjoyed the show. Um, we didn't get a lot of running, but we were able to go out and make some smoke and go sideways and, and uh, as I think it was a pretty good event for us. So eventually you would line up for a target rally as part of your opening round of the National Rally Championship. For better or worse, that, that event is something that from the outside in, it looks like something you should win. There's no real option. You should be winning that event. Does that put more pressure on you as a driver? Like, it's different to ERC where you want to win, but now you're sort of expected? Uh, yeah, New Zealand Championship is always it's a tough one. Um, it's where I love driving the most, best roads in the world, we always say it, and it's the fact, especially at Targo and Whangarei. Um Yeah, so you want to be here, I want to drive on them just for my, you know, your love of the sport. Uh, also with all our partners and sponsors, their value is us competing in New Zealand. Uh, and working with the New Zealand customers and bits and pieces so we just can't compete on the other side of the world otherwise we won't have those partnerships So, but then the other side of that double-edged sword is that yeah, you're expected to win you've got a target painted on your back um, which is part of the position we're in and um, you know, I've been in the other position of trying to chase down in our case Richard Mason and it was a similar, similar scenario but yeah, we basically have nothing to gain and everything to lose is the position we're in um, and everyone else is getting faster, they continue to step up, the young guys, the experienced people. So for us, it's always a matter of trying to step up as well. Um, so, you know, obviously I'm a pretty competitive person, so we're there to win. And I don't like just winning by a little bit, I like to try and win by as much as you can. Um, but for sure, that won't continue forever. So you got to make hay while the sun shines. And now is while it's working for us, and, you know, the sport can change very quickly. So um, we've just got to keep that momentum. And then from myself, who's inside the team and sees what's going on, that event, you obviously expanded your team to a four-car team with customers, and does that add to the, I guess, stress of the weekend? Like, there was a bit going on over those few days. To be honest, I'm pretty proud of what we're doing here as a team collectively because we've got, we've got such a good group of people here now uh, that my job is actually becoming less... Um, involved on the rally and I can actually just get back to driving the car um, you know but we're a relatively young team like everyone here is still 
basically in their 20s and now we're sort of training them all up so now we've got obviously team manager who's worked into a new role uh, with Matthew over the last two or three years who's really taken that head on um, he's managing 30 people on the rallies now with, uh, everyone on the events obviously we've got our chief tech Mike who's like absolutely uh, gold for us the amount of work he's done and the reliability and the speed of the cars that we have in New Zealand all our other techs being Ollie, Ari um obviously yourself on the media side, Matt on the engineering side, like we've got such a good structure and people there now that it's it's just constantly growing and developing to a point where I don't need to be, I trust in the job that everyone's doing and, and I don't need to be micromanaging that. So, you know, we prepare before the event, we have our meetings, we make sure everyone's on the same page and it's at a point now at the rallies, I don't have to worry about what everyone's doing. We're all there for the same reason. We all love rallying. We're all passionate about it. And, um, and, everyone's doing a really good job so and that's just going to continue to evolve over time i guess from a personal side that's not on my questions but why why did you employ someone like myself or the rest of the boys that you're are questioning st- your job now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh it's for me the whole the whole project and everything we're doing here is based on pure passion so we're nine full-time staff here now for any motorsport company in this side of the world to survive is super tough like it's um financially motorsport's a very tough industry to be in but this is all driven by passion and my love for the sport and my ultimate goal is to have a new zealand world championship winning motorsport team that's what my goal is it's it's probably it's like everything in my life so far it's, it's a high up there goal but it's something to strive for so what that world championship is i don't know um, it's a 10 year goal and we're at what year 3 year 4 into that so there's still a long way to go um, but the key to that is people you've got to build a good team um, you've got to have a good um, support network around you um, whether I'm driving or not that's beside the point but you've got to have good engineers good technicians good management good media to look after the supporters and the partners who are helping us fund it all uh, and then we're sort of putting all those pieces of the puzzle together now so this is now all about what potentially is going to happen probably in 5 years time um, outside of ERC, eventually you take another win at Rally Whangarei, but for listeners at home, it's probably not apparent that you you definitely treat each event with the same respect. Like nothing changes from your preparation and your pace notes and all that sort of stuff. Is that like a conscious decision, or is that something that you have to do to stay competitive and stay as fast as you do in the national championship? Uh, well, probably truth be known, I never go into an event confident you can win, even in New Zealand. Uh, which even to me, not trying to blow your own trumpet, but you know we obviously have a bit of a margin because you know it's my it's been my profession for a while, so we have a bit of a I guess you could say an unfair advantage in that respect. But I never ever go to a rally, even to this day, confident that we can win, and I think it's that mindset um, that makes you prepare as you would any other rally. Um, same with whether we're in WRC, ERC, or NZRC, I prepare the same way in terms of videos, pace notes, the way what John and I are doing. Even when you're driving out to the first stage, the butterflies, the nerves, is exactly the same when you're doing Rally Otago or Whangarei versus doing a rally in Europe. So um, I'm never one to rest on uh, what's happened in the past. You're only as good as your last result, and you know it only takes one person to beat you, and that could happen when you least expect it. So I'm never ever going to be one to be um, too relaxed about it. For me, it's the same preparation no matter where you are, and... Um, yeah, I guess once you get through the first stage and assess where you're at, then you probably start to probably relax a little bit more and and enjoy it. So you you headed back to Europe following a Targa rally and continue on your European campaign, but from Portugal onwards, it's sort of been a from our side a change of mindset that the results 
matter? Like you have to be on the podium to be in the point position you're in. What was that a change in mindset at so, uh, sorry at Canaries, or is that always the strategy to? Uh, it's about trying to build a championship. So we know to win a championship, you've got to build points. And we could see in the first couple of rounds that some of our key competitors were already having some problems, which put us probably in a, a more important position to collect points. Um, Canary on tarmac, we knew was always going to be a bit tougher for us because, yeah, I think my tarmac driving skills have, have improved a lot since I was in the WRC. I think just living here at Highlands on the racetrack and just generally being more exposed to tarmac's help. Um, but of course, effectively, I've only probably still done 25 tarmac rallies in my life. And you think uh, the guys that grow up in tarmac, they've done hundreds. So it's a, it's a, it's a different level, if you like. So, um, yeah, it was uh, Canaries was about picking up points because we weren't even going to do Canary initially at the start of the year. Once we won Portugal, then we're like, okay, you got to drop one round in European Championship. And then we made a decision with the team are we actually that smart to drop our round so early in the championship and maybe better to keep that round up our sleeves and insurance policy until later in the year. So the team are very, very good about it all because uh, Canaries is obviously a more expensive rally to do, but also um, the next round in Poland was literally two weeks later and three or 4,000 kilometres driving for them. So it was a big turnaround uh, for the team, put the pressure on us that we couldn't damage the car. They had three days with the car in a workshop on a return from Canary before they went to Poland. Um, so I put a lot of pressure on logistics as well So, but luckily as it turned out and then of course Poland which went reasonably well to plan as well um, to come away with another second it sort of justified the decision that we made with the team to put that all together and, and put us in a good place in the championship Was that ever a consideration for us back home that are watching it on TV at 3 o'clock in the morning that maybe you should push for the win just for our own entertainment? <laughs> I know we put a, gr- a chat, on, a message on the team chat there about what do we do, do we push for the win? And everyone here was like, no, nah, we push for the win, we push for the win. And the, the BRC team was like, no, no, we settle for second. So I was getting split decisions from both sides there. But um, no, when it's so early in the championship, uh, I think you just have to bank the points. You've got to bank the points. Uh, later in the season when you can see how the championship's sort of um, building and how your competitors are doing, then you put yourself in a position where if you've got to take risks and go for a win or get more points, then, then you, you take those risks then. So you've got to choose your point. The thing is, I guess now that I'm a little bit older and experience a lot, I, I see our decision-making is a lot more mature than what it used to be. You know, when you're younger, even in the start of the WRC, it was all about, I need to go as fast as I can on this stage. You're looking at every stage and every rally. It's like just balls to the wall. You weren't doing any risk evaluation. You weren't looking at the bigger picture. And then as you get older and have a bit more life experience, you sort of um, you sort of put it all into perspective a little bit more and can make, I think, better and wiser decisions in the long term that ultimately help us achieve the goals. Yeah, I guess that, I hope that happens for me. Obviously, my, my fastest stage was over the Lindus, but still an impressive time. You've crashed a couple of times. Yeah, no, don't worry about that. Um, at each event, there's sort of been... Obviously, Martin's been a standout in the last couple of events, but each one you've gone to, there's been a new or someone different in the European Championship that sort of stood out as a rally leader. Is that something that you think is because like, they're local to the events or just familiar with what's going on or stuff? Uh, it's a bit of both. Like we, we can see the locals are always very fast in each event, and that's something we have to compete against. Like Even though they're not doing the full championship, they still take points off you on each round. Martin's obviously been very good on the fast gravel, uh, so Poland, Latvia, and then of course uh, with Sweden coming up, I expect the same from him there as well. 
Um, but the beauty of the European Championship is it's 50% gravel, 50% tarmac, and obviously we finished the season with a lot of tarmac. So, yeah, we haven't quite got the win in the last couple of rallies, but we're not we're not stressing at the moment. Uh, if we can get another good strong result in Sweden, we know that we can be competitive on tarmac as well. Um, so when you look at the whole package and the whole championship, um, I think we're in a good position, but still we've got to treat each rally on its merits and take it one rally at a time. So it obviously got a few more questions, but Hayden's going to shoot off to a, a commitment zone, so I'm going to rattle them off and you're going to answer them. Right. The, the Kona EV is getting close to its next phase in life. Can you tell us what the next phase looks like and what's going to happen to that car for the next sort of six months? Uh, well, we're, we're probably two years delayed on the whole project, um, but we're working through solutions at the moment. The biggest thing is about the new battery. Uh, this new battery will unlock a whole lot of potential with the car that will allow us to hopefully do a full-length rally. Um, we're hoping to debut our first full-length rally, uh, maybe like a club rally or something, by the end of this year. So. We're just waiting on a few uh, last-minute high-level meetings to determine exactly when we're going to get supply of some parts that we're waiting on. Uh, but once we get that, that's going to unlock the next level. So the project's sort of been a little bit stationary over the last probably six or 12 months. Um, but hopefully we've got some good news soon, get that battery in that car, and then um, get it to do a rally and, and start proving the point around the world that this technology, whether this technology is or isn't the answer long-term in, in motorsport, that's a whole different subject. Maybe we can have another discussion about that another day. Uh, but it's about just proving the point that this tech can work. We know it can work, um, but we need to show it now. And outside of the, the Kona, there's obviously a huge amount of projects happening downstairs in the workshop. Can you just talk us through the main one, which is the I30N race builds, which has been pretty... Yeah, we've got a few projects. So we're obviously doing a lot of customer car work here, but we're trying to build some new cars as well. So we're building three identical I30N track cars. So they've started from a brand new road car. Um, building them into a we're trying to build them into a reliable inexpensive way for people to go racing around the track and it's literally turnkey um, the cars even still have a warranty um, and they can take them out on the track low maintenance and just go have fun that's what motorsport needs to be um, not having cars break down or maintaining them all the time um, so low maintenance cheap easy motorsport these three cars are going to be identical we the engine and gearbox uh, performance standard off the shelf because it's part of the end range of cars is already um, very good, so we don't have to do too much on that side. It's been developed pretty extensively in Korea. So, um, yeah, looking forward to what these cars look like. We've got our own unique body kits and everything on them to make, give them our own sort of New Zealand flair to them. Um, and, yeah, see if that takes off uh, a little bit more in the future as well. And like you touched on, the, the customer side of the company continues to grow month on month. Why is that so important to what we do here and... Yeah, well, like we're, we're trying to, like for us to build as a team, we need people. As I said, people is the number one key factor here, and to have people is obviously overheads. It may, like business is not cheap for anyone in small business. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. So, to have people, we've got to cover the overheads, and to cover the overheads, we've got to have some workflow. And workflow is about customer, um, customer work, customer cars, um, but working to give our customers benefit as well because you know we're building a really good experience and good knowledge within all our people here with our team and, and the people that we're working with internationally and, and using that knowledge and experience to help our customers to uh, excel their experience whether it be giving them a more reliable car or giving them a faster car or, or using our experience to help them so um, it's a win-win-win basically you know it helps us to expand as a company but the more customers that we have Ultimately, the more that we can grow the business, then the more sporting endeavours that we can do. And as I say, we want to have this more international the further we go ahead. And for that to happen, we're going to have to grow the business side. 
I'll give you one last question before you have to shoot off, but can you just highlight from now until I guess the end of the year and then beyond, what's the next steps for Pattern Racing Group? Uh, well, big focus issue is trying to win the European Championship. That's what we've put all our eggs in that basket in terms of financially. It's, a, it's still a big financial commitment for us. Um, but also the EV is a massive project for us as well. Um, so we need to get this new the new parts here and get this car up and running to that next point. And then it's yeah a matter of a big reset for next year. Um, I'd like to think that as a team we can go out and target some pretty iconic events next year, like on the bucket lists, things like Pikes Peak, Mount Washington, uh, Goodwood Festival. Um, there's all sorts of unique events around the world like that where I'd want to take our own team to um, and get our own team a bit more involved in the international programs as well. So... First and foremost, we need to make sure this year is successful. We want to win some championships. We want to win some more rallies. Um, and then we can reassess uh, where uh, 2024 goes. Well, thanks to you and Covey for joining us, the cat that's literally licking its own paw. He's full of talk as well. He's in full support. Mm-hmm.